This podcast is part of the Deluxe Edition Network. To find other great shows on the network, head over to deluxeeditionnetwork.com. That's deluxeeditionnetwork.com. Bev's Video Kingdom is intended for a mature audience. Listener discretion is advised. Bev's Video Kingdom really is brought to you by... What the fuck? What's up, dude? One of my renters broke the toilet again. That dude takes giant shits. I know what I'm doing tomorrow. Why don't you hire a property management company or something to take care of that stuff? Because they suck, and they take 10%. You know, our dude Hank owns and manages Heritage Realty Partners. I think he said he only charges 5%, and he visits each property at least once a month. That's right. He's always posting beers from the road. You have his number? Actually, I do. His personal number is 805-451-5734. Perfect. Now he can deal with my renter's big shits. Heritage Realty Partners. For all your property management and investment needs. This episode of Bev's Video Kingdom is brought to you by La Creme. <clears throat> Dishing up a delicious ice cream sundae? Don't forget La Creme. About to enjoy Mama's famous warm apple pie? Don't forget La Creme. Looking to spice it up in the bedroom with your special lady friend? Don't forget La Creme. Here at La Creme, we know that adding a sweet dollop of our especially fluffy and moist cream will bring tastiness and satisfaction to any exquisite dessert or erotic lovemaking session you're about to enjoy. Our creme is specifically made to keep its wonderful texture, no matter if it's put on a delicious scoop of ice cream or the sweaty erect nipple of your lover. <coughs> so next time you want to bring pleasure to your life, don't forget La Creme. I mean, is there a better mustache in the world to be fucking doing that right now? Like him saying la creme with that stupid mustache over the microphone right I now. Almost look, I almost la cremed when you said sweaty rack nipple. hell folks it is a glorious tuesday and we're about to talk about an inglorious movie i'm a little bit excited i'm excited this can be one of my favorite all-time movies uh scotch how you doing i'm doing great man how are you zach how you doing arriva dear she <laughs> whatever the fuck he says and nate how you doing gorlame <laughs> all right well good. if you have not figured it out yet folks we we're talking about inglorious bastards today and you know in the BVK community, we've got all sorts of friends that have become a uh, part of the show. And we now have a friend of a friend joining us here. And he's now our friend. Tony, Good. how you doing, sir? Doing fantastic. Excited to talk about this movie. It's one of my favorite movies. Now, now Walter told me you are a Tarantino guy. Like that's that's kind of your 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 main dude, right? As far as movies? Yeah, definitely. One of the most influential people for me as far as like pursuing film as a possible career all right uh, big, it's, so it's not just because you like to jerk off to feet 
No, okay. no. That was it's not just that. Okay, okay. That was established that's just long a bonus. before. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Nice. All right. So, hey, we've got a, a bunch of folks sitting around microphones about to talk Tarantino. And uh, Pulp Fiction is the only movie we have covered so far of his. So this is our, our second Tarantino. And I think I, I've said this before on the pod. It is maybe... My favorite Tarantino. That's not for that's a, a wild of, take, dude. For a variety of reasons. Really? I, don't, I, don't, I don't think it's that crazy. You really, I'm with you. You really like it better than Pulp Fiction. Yes, definitely better than Pulp Fiction. That's that's, that's so crazy. fucking sense right there. I'm, and I really liked it. But that's oh, a I, wild love, take. I love it. I think it's a great movie. But better than Pulp I, Fiction? I, I think at this point, I think maybe I've seen Pulp Fiction so many times that maybe, and because this is newer, maybe it just feels like I, I like to watch this more because I did watch Pulp Fiction recently. It was on again. I watched no, it from start I, I to finish that. for the first time in a long time. I enjoyed it, but I didn't get as much enjoyment out of my last watch of Pulp Fiction as I did for this again. A, a lot of people have the take that like nobody just like something's on and so you just watch it anymore because everything's streaming and stuff. Not true for Scott. Scott's no. still got a DVR. Mm-hmm. He's still got uh, <laughs> still got a satellite dish. I got rabbit ears. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just just watch the the edited version of a Basic Instinct on TNT. The exactly, other day, he's like what he said. He's like, I was gonna change the channel, but I'd have to get up and walk to the TV and turn the dial. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Tarantino, this is the, his 2009 film, and I have a weird relationship with Tarantino in the sense that I I've always like from the beginning have been digging Tarantino. Um, Nate and I, it's been known that, that our, our senior <laughs> quotes in our yearbook were lines from Pulp Fiction and botched lines, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah we screwed it up. <laughs> mine for sure. Right? <laughs> I think, yeah, I think, I think mine might've been correct and yours is like just a, a couple words off, but it's all right. But the, uh, uh, the whole Tarantino universe, I, I celebrate and, uh, I am actually did not see this movie in the theater, which is weird because I was seeing pretty much Tarantino. But 2009, when it came out, um, I was uh, I had a three year old um, housing market was crashing. And it was a tough time. Yeah, my my daughter was about to be born, and it was just like one of those things where I didn't get to the theater. It was like this is the, my era of movie watching where I would catch things way later. I was not going to the movie theater at this point. It was just not going to be happening. So missed this one. But I've seen most Tarantino films in the theater. This is just one that I didn't catch until later. And once I watched it, I was like, oh my God, this is fucking awesome. Zach, what'd you do? Did you see this one in the theater? No, I, I, I did see it at some point and I, I know, I, I know I had seen it. It's one of those ones where you watch it. Like it's long. I wasn't like super into it. I think like the plot was maybe a little hard to follow for me at some point. Like I wasn't, I wasn't, I liked it and I was like, oh, this is good, but I wasn't super into it, but you were just kind of high. Well, I'm trying to avoid saying that, but possibly, <laughs> but yeah. So th- this is his first alt history, right? Um, I, b- I believe so. Yeah, because yeah. well, so yeah, because first of was three, based first in of three, right? It's, 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 it's <laughs> alt history. It's Inglorious Bastards, Django, and Once Upon a Time, right? Those are the three. Those are the history. ones that actually take real events and plug them into the movie. Yeah, yeah. I gotcha. guess that, that that would be true. That makes sense. And I think of those three, this is surely the most the be- i mean it's both the best and the like you know most ambitious in the sense mm-hmm. that the historical events are so sweeping widely known right so it's 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 you know he's not fucking around here is it a, it's weird because it's like is it a tarantino movie or is it a, is it a world war ii movie 
but it's yeah. very much a Tarantino. Like the the right. World War Two is just like the the scene, and it's like it's still a Tarantino movie, like completely through For and sure. through. Yeah, yeah. With but, the but it has dialogue. some great. I mean, but it does in some ways, right? Like, it's not like it ignore. It's not like it plays other than the 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 Hitler sort of being a silly character. It doesn't overplay the sort of like silliness of World War Two. Yeah. Right. I mean, in the sense that that the back, even the backdrop of it, even though you're not seeing a bunch of the fighting and things, like it feels to me like it's trying to be authentic. For example, to weapons and uniforms and and sort of like the the hierarchy of of what the way that that would have played out. Well, in occupied France. Yeah. I mean, right. the idea of like where you're living. I mean, people still were just kind of going about their lives, but it just so happened that Germany was in, in charge of them. Mm-hmm. And that's that's a weird position. Where, where, whereas like I, I think comparing it with Django, it, I'm not saying that Django is inaccurate in lots of ways, but it definitely is a is a caricature of the sort of like plantation, mm-hmm. sl- you know, slavery, like you get the feeling like a lot of it is, is almost, you know, made for almost like a spoof at parts. Right. right? There's, there's definitely some more tongue in cheek right. stuff, which I love. I mean, I love Django. that movie. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. The whole thing with the hoods and, and that the conversations, yeah. with Jonah Hill and all that stuff, yeah. like gets a little bit silly in that one a little, which I think that movie needed because some of those it's parts were heavy, heavy fucking shit. I, yeah. I, no, no, I don't I think, I think Django is one of the least rewatchable for me just because there's certain scenes that are so hard to watch again. Uh, some, of, I love some, some of those, I, I love the movie too, but there's some scenes where, where they're fighting, yeah. like they're having them fight each other. That's brutal. And just yeah. all the torture and stuff like that. So, yeah. And so I'm, did you guys know that this was an alt history going into the movie when you first watched it? Cause I definitely did not. I didn't know that. And it definitely threw me when, when I watched it. I, so. I I didn't. I, I thought it was just going to be okay. A World War II setting, right. and like they're going to be like sticking pretty much close to true. But then, yeah, when they just completely go out of left field, and 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 now you get the the fun event of Hitler getting right. shot in the face seventy times. <laughs> I mean, it's it's pretty wacky. Yeah, and and, and I enjoyed it, but it, I remember my first watch going, "Wait, what? Wait, what is happening? This is crazy! Like uh, they're going to get out of this because Hitler's going to live, right?" And then all of a sudden, it didn't. And I was really confused. Really enjoyed it, and then. This movie got better and better every time I rewatched it. I I had that same experience. It's almost like he replayed it though in in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood because like that last scene is just that turns into like the most slapstick thing that Tarantino's ever done. Just about. And that was that was one where yeah I I was was so uncomfortable during Once Upon a Time because I was like please be all history because I didn't know and I I hate spoilers I don't like going into a movie like that with spoilers I didn't watch it in the theater and I watched it many, many months later. And I remember going the whole time, okay, please don't show the murders. I, cause I'm, you love the characters and it's so bad. And I was like, oh, okay. Once he started, Brad Pitt started doing his thing. I was like, okay. Scott, Scott hates spoilers so much. He just didn't go to history class at all. He's like, I don't want to yeah. know what happened. So, 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 so Tony is a Tarantino guy. Like you, is this, where is this number one for you? Um, I think that for me personally, Pulp Fiction is my favorite of his. Correct answer. I do think that this is the best film that Quentin has done. Okay. I think this this is the best script that he's written. I think that everything in this movie is the best version of what he had been trying to do in previous movies. I like that yeah, take. Yeah, I think a that's, a, that's a very solid take. Um, yeah. And I've seen this movie probably 40 or 50 times at this point. I saw it not the opening weekend, but the following weekend. Um, and I had so much hype for it going in that it was probably better that I didn't see it that first weekend because the expectation was through the roof. Um, and so seeing it that weekend, that opening scene is 
probably the best thing that he's ever written. So great. In terms of dialogue, in terms of the pacing, in terms of what he is always trying to do with dialogue, the musicality of it. Um, and I, you know, I read a bunch about it. I, I knew that he was kind of playing with history. Um, I knew that I didn't know exactly how he was going to do it. And that was the beauty of it that, you know, he always talks about how like, you know, the things that I write are within a historical context and the characters that I create, if they were real characters, this is what would have happened. Right. They would have had huh. this premiere in this small cinema and the bastards would have came in there with their possibly terrorist plot, as Han says, mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, and they would have they would have ended World War II. That's how he thinks about his characters. He thinks about them as real characters within that historical context. And, yep. you know, especially with this, and you, we mentioned Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, same thing, right? If, uh, if uh, the DiCaprio character, if he... It was if he existed, he would go out and yell at the Manson family for right. living next door, <laughs> going down this. You know, he's paying all this money and just coming down with your loud ass car, uh, and then he would have flamethrowed. You know, <laughs> <laughs> the the Manson girl, right. whoever that was. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. I, I did see that he said that uh, in in one interview. He said that Brad Pitt in Inglorious Bastards is the like grandpa or great grandpa of brad pitt in uh true romance mm -hmm. of floyd on the couch <laughs> okay <laughs> yeah oh yeah well, like it's just funny that he loves to tie things together like that where he's yeah. like he's gonna have his characters kind of all within the same universe kind of it's, right it's just an interesting yeah, i was thing. gonna bring that up later uh, for sure the the tarantino verse of, of characters and names there's so many and i, I dig that shit too so, so I, I, one of the things we have you know we're we're almost a 12 minutes in here and we haven't talked about christoph waltz and I think, you know, to the, to the point of this being his best movie, right? Like Tarantino is brilliant in this, but in some way, I mean, I'm not saying he gets lucky cause he casts him, but this is a breakout role and he's so good in it. Yeah. Right. That, that this, you know, he, I don't know, he doesn't carry the movie, but he takes it to the true next level, especially where you like, you think of like, you know, Brad Pitt is the. Yeah, you think of is like he's got to be the guy, and he's on fire in this movie, yeah. right? And he's doing a lot of. And I would even say that that you know maybe my argument, if I was going to make the case that this was the best of them for Tarantino, is that to this point, Tarantino is phenomenal with the dialogue, and he chooses actors who do things within the dialogue that make them great, right? Like right. You think of Samuel L. Jackson and the way that he takes the words and uses them, and was, you know, speaks them. And was so Samuel L. Jackson the voiceover guy? He is. Yeah. Yeah. Just crazy. Okay, go, okay. Yeah. The Hugo Stiglitz guy. Which I, yep. I kind of wish you would have brought up on the voiceover draft because uh, the minute yeah, I was watching oh, yeah. this again, I was like, oh man, I, I should have at least thought it's this about this for an also ran at least because I just love that fucking Hugo Stiglitz voiceover. Yeah. So, so I think for, for me, the thing is that Waltz is so good between the dialogue. Yeah. And for the first time, how he's somebody who just like, and I think obviously with Tarantino in the directing role, but like the tension that happens in this movie and the way that he waits between things and the way that Tarantino lets that happen instead of like really, really feeling everything with dialogue. Right. That's what to me makes it a different movie. Yeah. I mean, Quentin has it. said this before that uh, he at one point couldn't cast this character because of the languages that he had to speak, mm -hmm. the way that he had to deliver things. At one point he said that, he, he might not be able to make this movie because he can't find somebody to play this character. And he found Christoph Waltz in some Austrian soap opera 
Hmm. And he came in, audition. Obviously, he nails all these different languages. Uh, the way that he delivers lines, like he said, is so within that musical composition quality that Quentin has with his dialogue. Again, that's why that this movie is so high on my list as far as his best work, because there's just nobody else that could have played that character. It's, and literally, if he did not exist, this movie would not exist. And it's wild to me that out of all these amazing characters that come before Inglorious Bastards from Tarantino, mm-hmm. that Christoph Waltz is the first one to get like an acting Oscar. Right. And there's, I mean, you can think back so many performances before this that you're yeah. like, wait, that didn't get an Oscar? Like, I mean, Travolta and Pulp Fiction, like, come on, like, how does that not get an Oscar? Yeah. yeah. Like, there's just so many like roles that I can think of that it's like, that was an amazing role. And yet... Yeah, He's was, the first one. This movie I mean, got eight nominations wow. in different categories, and he was the only one that won anything, which is actually kind of, I like that. Because if anybody's going to deserve the Oscar, it's him. For it's, it's one of those movies, and it's not very often, when you watch a movie and you're like, that better win an award, and if it doesn't, what the fuck is going on? Because right. like, you, you watch that, that for the first time, and you're just like, this guy's maybe the best actor there ever is. Yeah. Like he's yeah. so believable. He's so amazing. He can do so many different emotions and get different emotions out of people. It's just, it's, yeah. it's God, I still, I mean, we're going to probably talk about him. I'm sure later on a little bit. Now we're done. We're done. That's it. He's like mentioned again and you're out the fucking pot. That was it. His maniacal laugh when she tells him that she got in mountain climbing, like just so over the top. We were dying laughing. We're just like, Oh my God. Like a Brad's just standing there kind of looking around. Like what the hell? Love it. But then, like, how he can go so serious, like, where was this mountain? Right. Yeah. And, like, all of a sudden, you're like, oh, fuck, he's, he's, he's very well, deadly the, serious. The tension in this movie is just uncomfortable. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's also, in the best way. He's also, like, toying with people. Yeah. yeah. He knows oh, yeah, the whole time. Like, that whole first scene, mm-hmm. he's not figuring that shit out. He already knows. Yeah. Right. Right? Like, he's fucking just fucking with the dude, yeah. which is, like, makes him extra evil. Which yeah. also, I have a, I have issues with this character too. I will we'll we'll get to it well, later. But well, I, I want to bring up one right now. That since you mentioned it, is when he orders the milk for Shoshana at uh-huh. the it, it, is that absolutely intentional or is he just is that a random coincidence? Like it, you want to you can, can take it like a bunch of different he ways. Didn't know. Right. Yeah. So so I read or heard or you told me that he he forces her to wait for the crema because the it's not him. La creme. La creme. Sorry. Yeah. Because uh, it uh, it violates, it's not, not a kosher, it's not kosher to eat, what is it, it's like probably the lard. Right. It's in the strudel with uh, cream on the same, at the same time. And he wants to see if she'll eat it. Or at least how she reacts. Right. right? I don't like, think I told you that, but that's interesting. Yeah, so I, I read that somewhere, maybe like it might have been on there, a, There's so many little subtle things just like that, but like like even the very beginning, the, the when the daughters are still in there and- she goes to grab the milk and he grabs her by the wrist and he's actually feeling her pulse to, to feel how Man. It, it's a subtle little thing. And he's like, okay, he can tell her heartbeat's going. So something's up here. Yeah. And so there's, there's these little things that I didn't catch the first, second, third time right. I watched it. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, there's all <laughs> kinds of little details like that. And his face acting like in between scenes, like he, he's all being all pleasant. All of a sudden it just changes. Like, and, and there's times I wish I would have gone back and looked at the script because I want to know, did the script call for yeah. an, like, an oversized novelty pipe to get pulled out in the middle of that scene? Right. <laughs> <It's just laughs> or was that just a, on the set? Like They like found a pipe. Like, I oh, laughed out loud when he pulled in. that out. Yeah. I was it's like, so oh my ridiculous. God, so like, ridiculous. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's, it's showing his dominance with his pipe is bigger than his. Yeah. Like, <laughs> if, if you read the script, it, it's in there. He describes it as like a Sherlock Holmes-sized pipe. 
Okay, so right. it was intentionally yeah. a, a big pipe. Okay, and it's it's <laughs> that whole it's the same thing in uh, pulp when Jules is like hamburgers and he takes his burger and eats it and then drinks his whole soda. He's just like he's asserting his dominance over this character. Right. There's right. so many parallels for me between that opening scene in, in Bastards and the scene with Jules and Brett in the in right. oh yeah the pulp. There's oh, so yeah, many absolutely. different parallels there. Yeah, Weird. trying to figure, like, figuring out the the situation, and but also kind of being at the upper hand with the power. Yeah, okay. I Tony, like it's I, I think it's Brad. I think it's look at yeah, the big, we, we look at the big brain, brain on Brad. Brad. We, 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 we only acknowledge <laughs> we, it as Brad. I've, all, I've gone through this my whole life. <laughs> I, I, I've, I've had it said to me multiple times, and I'm like, I, I hate being the guy that's like, it's actually Brett. But <laughs> then don't be that depends, guy. Sometimes then I do. Sometimes don't. Depends on the person. Sometimes you keep telling Brad not to be that guy. Yeah. <laughs> Brad's like, let me tell you something about this movie. Hey, gravity, don't pull things <laughs> to the ground. <laughs> If, if you say Brett, you're a smart motherfucker. So. <laughs> uh, All right. Um, a couple interesting things I wanted to talk about real quick. We, oh, no, actually, no, let's, let's yeah, what, get... Can we move? Yeah. I got director things. Well, you know what? We have uh, the, the director's ambassador here. Uh, Tony is officially Quentin Tarantino. Actually, I, I feel that a little bit. So <laughs> I think we're going to just... We, we had Tarantino come in that one time, and, and right. he, he was staring at our feet the entire time, mm -hmm. and he was asking about all of our, our, our significant other's feet. And we're gonna yeah. our, our, our arch arc. <laughs> How high is your arch? <laughs> would, he, right. would he find my plantar fasciitis sexy or intimidating? I, I want to know. He loved your bunions. We just had it. We... <laughs> Can I recommend you some Dr. Scholes? <laughs> All right. Are we going to get him in here? Or let's, let's have Tony the ambassador uh, speak on behalf of Tarantino. So one second. Pull up a chair and grab yourself a drink. We'll hypothesize what directors think. Maybe sometimes get a guess. Makes us look good. Let's drink, laugh, and pretend we know what we're doing. Drinking with the director brought to you by Last Call Brewing. So we've got Tony here to talk Inglorious Bastards, uh, but before we do that, Speaking of Last Call Brewing and Walter, our favorite brewmaster, mm -hmm. let's talk about what we are all drinking around the table. What do we got here today, Scotchback? Um, I'm just keeping it simple and light tonight. I got a little bit of 805 Cerveza. 805. Yeah, it's just it's crisp, refreshing. You mean the, I'm tired uh, of getting hammered on beer, so I'm just. You mean the honey blonde? Oh, this. Oh, this is the cerveza. Cerveza. Yeah. I you got a hint of cerveza. lime. Okay. Yeah. Firestone Walker. But what is it? Eight oh five. Originally, was called like the honey, honey blonde. blonde. Yeah. And then they same it, exact beer. This is my favorite beer when it's like during the summer. And even though we're in the fall today, it felt like the fucking yeah. summer. So yeah. I was like, I'm drinking one of these. Very <laughs> warm. So, yeah. Mid October. Super hot. I'm drinking uh, the sister beer, the sister wife to Scott's beer, which is the Modelo Especial. All right, a little Modelo going on. Nate, what do you got? I got just the Diet Pepsi spiked with just the hint of grenadine. Oh, okay. Not too much. I'm feeling to you. Know, I want to take it easy tonight. Sounds good. Tony, what do we got over there? Got a nice glass of milk here. No, no. Uh, <laughs> now I'm doing the 805 as well, the Cerveza. All right. Well, I guess I'm the only one who's a friend of Walter's. So I've got the <laughs> fresh can just about a week ago. Citra Bowl, 100%. Citra, 100%, 100% <laughs> Citra hops. It is a hazy pale that is just delicious. It's one of my favorite nice, easy go-tos. I think it's 5.5%, and, and it's on tap right now at the last call tap room. Oakdale, California, 
all sorts of new beers. They're starting to get their fall beers coming in. Uh, uh, they're they're throwing copper, which is a little red ale, and then they've got some uh, some stouts on the oh, way. You know this. That's, when, back, that's right? when I get excited. Yeah, that's when so, you start so, showing up. <laughs> getting so, your beers off the board. That's right. Speaking of drinks, all of my questions for the director, I think, surround being a dairy farmer in 1941 and how long you, does your milk stay good? And, <laughs> right? Like, he, he doesn't have a refrigerator. No, not, like non-pasteurized a, milk. I think yeah, stays good at room temperature room temp. for a minute. Yeah, for a while. For like literally minutes? How, how no, long? No. no <laughs> like, that's, that's what the cool kids say now. Dude, minutes like a cool. Yeah. But you also could get like yep. some sort of crazy disease from it, right? Probably. I mean, sure. Like, well, you said it's like, not like, like why are we pasteurizing or? it? Why are we pasteurizing it? Yeah, it's gonorrhea. There's, no, there's people that still buy like whole real milk, like unpasteurized. Like red milk. Because they're probably worried right. about steroids Wait, and shit. I don't un- know. Uh, is it unpasteurized milk? I, I think pasteurized is what you're thinking. Pasteurized is when they boil it to kill all the chemicals and it's sold in the stores. And then it goes bad quicker. Right. I think so. I'm just saying. No, he didn't have a we're fridge. All, we're all, we're and somebody, then, somebody let us know. I don't this know guy's drinking like... I know whiskey. He was like sweating outside and this guy's just drinking like a big glass of fucking like... Warm milk. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I'm just... I don't well, they know. Did, they did, I got they questions. They shoot the scene where Hans Lana goes outside and just starts shitting his ass everywhere. Just... <laughs> Dude, that that's why he didn't chase Shoshana. <laughs> he didn't know he was. He didn't like, know he was fucking lactose intolerant. <laughs> he's like, oh boy, and then he turned around. He's like, where's your shitter? <laughs> oh, so we've got Tony here. He's a giant fan. Uh, actually, you know, before let's do one quick little housekeeping. We're part of the Deluxe Edition Network, and there are some pods of the month for the spooky month of October. We that's have right. the Graveyard Club and Terror Tuesday are the pods of the month. You can go to Deluxe Edition network.com and you can check out uh, some descriptions of these shows and many others um, and just always remember that we are the podcast of the year on the deluxe edition network yeah it's getting we, we've got a few more mo- few more months in our reign we, we got to speaking of milk we got to milk this as long as we can that's true that get is it. true so tony we uh like i said uh you're friends of walter we are good friends of walter and he suggested when we were doing our next tarantino movie that we have tony the assistant to the assistant director yep. of, of of all these movies that we like. So, yeah, how how um, you've said Pulp Fiction is your favorite? Do you make it like an event now, like to go see Tarantino movies when they come out? Like, is it just like you're going as soon as you can, opening weekend possibly? Yes, absolutely. I saw Bastards in the theater probably like four or five times. Wow. Um, and then I saw Django opening weekend. I I was pretty high on Bastards. I like Django. I think it kind of falls apart at the end, like story-wise, script-wise. Um, did you do the Death Proof? Uh, uh, I, did, I did. Planet Terror. I did the Grindhouse feature, thing. Yeah. The Grindhouse double feature. I did yep. that, too. That was that was good times. Um, that was great. I That movie, I think that Planet Terror is, Terror is actually better in the context of Grindhouse than Death Proof because it's an actual Grindhouse film. It's not... Tarantino's like, oh, I'm going to do a Grindhouse film, but I'm still going to have four people at a diner talking about for like something. thirty straight minutes. Yeah, <laughs> that, that, I, I just couldn't get into that one for some reason. I, I didn't love the all those long ass dialogues and 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 the performances were just a little bit too much. I actually I did enjoy watching them get killed. I'm tired of hearing you like, talk. Let's get rid of these guys. Yeah. <laughs> I, I do think the the car chase at the end is one of the best car chases ever filmed. Amazing like, stunt work. In yeah. terms of, you know, him actually driving these cars 60 miles an hour with a human being on the hood. It's, and his I girl, mean, Zoe Bell. Zoe Bell. Nobody does that Badass. anymore. He, he's so, 
that's why in Bastards, the the scene where at the end where they're in the theater and it's literal fires everywhere and Eli Eli Roth talked about how he thought he was gonna die because it's like 120 degrees in there and he's trying to act. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, he's trying to act. That's yeah. I have a problem. And we'll get we'll get to him later. Yes, um, we will. We will get to him later because. <laughs> so before to get into Inglorious, I do want to ask one more question. Do you think Tarantino uh, is gonna hold true to his one more movie promise? Um, probably. I think that he he's been writing books lately. He wrote this book. Uh, cinema speculation that came out last year where he it's part biography or autobiography part him talking about like steve mcqueen movies or whatever um he, he seems like he's really in love with the idea of of having this 10 film this 10 filmography uh set or whatever yeah but um, he'll, he'll probably like i'm sure he'll do like Streaming, you know, series TV and TV. I thought he He's already something. I thought right? he already announced that he was doing a, a, a series, like a like a limited series that was going to be six or ten episodes or whatever. The, it was. Yeah, there, sure there, he is. There's been some rumblings about a series based on the the series that uh, in Glory in uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, the westerns oh, show. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. There was a there was a story that that like Netflix would do. A bunch of episodes of that, and he would direct them. Uh, he also answer. said that he was going to do a like a sort of a pseudo sequel to Pulp Fiction, where Vincent Vega's brother and another the Vega brothers, yeah, were going to come right. together. Like he, there yeah. are so many projects that he said he was well, going to do. Vic, well, the, the, Vic, the, the, Vic Vega from uh, Reservoir Dogs. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was, and and then the the crazy one was I remember him talking about Kibble Three was going to be until. Uh, uh, was it Vanita Green when her daughter right. was right. old enough to actually act like it would be her revenge film against uh, uh, against Beatrix? Yeah, that's so. right. that's what I want his actual last film to be, but yeah. I don't think it's going to happen. Have, have there been any rumors about what his next his last? It's, it's supposedly a movie called The Movie Critic. Yeah. Uh, oh, oh, that's right. It's supposed to follow uh, some sort of movie critic in the seventies. He was very deep on his love for 70s cinema, yeah, Hollywood, yes. and yep. just like he's so into that. There's a um, a movie critic named Pauline Kale who wrote a lot of uh, movie uh, essays and a lot of criticism in that era, and he's obsessed with her, talks about her all the time. I think that this character is kind of based on her, um, and it's there's probably going to be all kinds of people that are playing other actors and it's just cool dialogue and fun music and all that. So, so I, my, I, I'm maybe going to have an unpopular opinion here for me. Tarantino is very hit and miss, like not in the sense that I, I think he's not, I mean, everything he does, I think has a lot of worth. Like, mm -hmm. I mean, you know, like it there it's, it's good. It's good filmmaking. Right. But in terms of me really like being blown away and enjoying it, I would say, the only three that really hit well for me are Pulp Fiction, Inglorious, and Django. I do not like the Kill Bill movies. Like they are way too blasphemy. I, I know, but but and I don't like the Kill Bills. I I borderline hated Once Upon a Time. Really? So I was gonna say I really liked Once Upon a Time. Oh, yeah. I did now, not. Now I did, I didn't like it my first watch, and it's actually become a lot more rewatchable the more it's on. Uh, since I do actually have it come on my TV every now yeah. and then, yeah. you know, yeah, when you, you'll catch like twenty minutes here, right. twenty minutes there, and I enjoy it. And and, and but as a, as a whole, I don't think it's like I I think this one, um, Pulp Fiction. I mean, 
Reservoir Dogs, to me, is is one of my favorite. So I really like that sure. one, but I haven't seen it in a long time. But this was so when you were saying you're talking about Oscars earlier and how like it was weird that no one had because Reservoir Dogs was really an under the radar radar film at that time, and I think people a lot of people saw it after Pulp Fiction came out. Mm-hmm. Right. I think that one has some probably Oscar worthy stuff. Had it been more of a mainstream consciousness, some film of the performances at that time. in Reservoir are just yeah. uh, and the movie incredible. itself is yeah. is a little more like a little less. There's less camp in it. But he just I wrote it and didn't direct it, correct? No, he no that was his first, first, first That was his first written, written and directed? Yeah. yeah. My cousin True Jer- romance, he didn't. True he did romance, not, that's what I'm thinking He did not direct that. My cousin Jeremy, after Pulp Fiction, was like, dude, dude you got to watch. Have you not seen Reservoir Dogs? So he was the one that put me on that. But So this leads me to a question I want to ask for the table. You can ignore my premise that Quentin Tarantino fits into this this mold. But for me, the like I want to I wanna ask, do, would you prefer a director that has some movies you just absolutely love and then a fair amount of things you don't really like versus a director that's more prolific and has a lot of really solid, well above average movies, but maybe just not anything or only one that is just like a special experience. So who are we talking? Are we talking like Nolan versus Tarantino? So like for me, the classic, and this is one like our, 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 uh, our old uh, castmate, Nikki and I, like I love to shit on, Spielberg. But not really shit on Spielberg, <laughs> yeah. right? Like he he's great, obviously. I mean, you know, I'm not trying to knock him as a director per se, but if I look at his catalog, there's not a ton there that I'm just like. For me, it's like the older stuff, Raiders of the Lost Ark, right? Like mm-hmm. Jaws. Did did anybody Jaws. here see the what was it the Bravermans or whatever it was his most recent Fable, 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 Fable Men's? I've heard people. Him. Nick was very. That's what I'm saying. Spielberg is, I mean, one of the the best directors of our of our generation of our lifetime, and it's like it's not must see. That's my point. Movie right. for me, and it, it, I'd much it, rather yeah. have a Tarantino where I'm like, right. I got to go see what this fucking what this but guy did. If but he, Nate's point, I think, is that if. Tarantino was more prolific and had more movies that came out. He would drop some stinkers and it wouldn't be such a big fucking deal that he's got a movie coming out. I I think that's true. And still I want Tarantino because I, I, because I actually don't think Spielberg really drops a lot of stinkers. It's just the reason you don't go see Fableman's is because you're like, they don't, I got to wait to know that this one's likely to blow my hair back. Right. Whereas like, you know, with, um, I think with Tarantino, you're like, there are few enough, and there are some that are just like. I mean, Pulp Fiction's better for me than anything, including Jaws. That you know, I'll take I'll take Pulp Fiction over Jaws, right? And I know that's crazy. I'll take it over Raiders. No, I think that's truth. And yeah. I think like the other one that fits kind of in that car- car- category, and people will disagree, is Scorsese, who I think is like great. And there, but I still also like what maybe Goodfellas is his his sort of top catalog. And I mean, I people love it, and I really like it, but. Like I'm going to take Pulp Fiction, and the, the other one I think of here is is um, Cameron Crowe, right? Who really has some shitty movies. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but but if you can give me Aloha, one, but 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 almost famous is an, is like a, tr- a special experience yeah. for me. First of all, talking about Scorsese in that way is going to make me leave. So. <laughs> well, um, there you go. Taxi Driver. Um, I mean, I, I, I like them, but I'm not like, they're just not, when I say spat, like I want to leave the theater and just be like, what just happened? I will say with Tarantino, like I have not loved everything that he's done. I think that hateful eight is just a huge misstep for him based on, based on the fact that they were hyping this movie so much about how they were using these 70 millimeter cameras and it was supposed to be this really wide 
film stock that was supposed to incorporate so much of the picture. And it was in like a 20 by 20 And it's cabin. all inside a room. <laughs> Come on. like The first 10 minutes look beautiful. Yeah. Every, every exterior in the movie looks amazing, but like it's all in Minnie's haberdashery. And I know why he did it. He was This is basically a callback to Reservoir Dogs because Reservoir Dogs is all in one room for the most part. Yep. Um, but it took me a while to really warm up to that film. Like I said, Django is a film that I think for the most part I like, but kind of falls apart script-wise. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, I liked because I kind of took away all of those expectations that I had uh, and just you know, kind of accepted the fact that Inglorious Bastards is going to be the best movie that I ever see him make. So I'm just going to have a good time with all the, gravy from here. the characters yeah. that he creates, the dialogue. Nobody's going to make a movie like this, so I might as well sit here and watch it and have a good time. So I have a problem with this movie. And it is mainly that Hans Landa is built the entire movie to be this dude that is that doesn't make missteps and is a step ahead of everybody the whole time. And he is that until he isn't at the end and he's made to look like a clown at the end and gets fucking uh, swastika drilled into his head and fucking loses basically. So you're thinking he should have known he should have known Aldo, that he's going he's gonna to take Apache the fucking enough he's going to take the fucking handcuffs off of this dude and then be like oh go ahead and handcuff me that's and then great, think it's going to work out point. great for him. I watched it today and I was like he wouldn't that, fall for this that kind job. of fucking yeah this kind of fucking loses the luster of the Hans Land as this glorious villain for me. Right. That was definitely something I rewatched this movie last week and that was definitely something that I thought of. I was like, okay, this guy is so calm, cool, collected the whole time. Like you said, is always three steps ahead of everybody, exactly. has all of the information, makes everybody around him look like a fool because they think that they're getting one over on him, and that's never the case. And then, and he knows all about the bastards, right? He knows that they carve swastikas in people's heads. As soon as, because they know that when they get home, they're going to take off their uniform, so they want to make sure they're marked. He knows that they scalp people. (laughs) Like, he knows all of this. And then, again, it's it's that whole thing. And I think what it is, is like, well, you got to end this movie somehow. And there's this call, and there's there's this call back to, you know, I know you're going to take that uniform off. I don't expect you to. So I'm going to give you something you can't take off. And it's just a callback to that first in- encounter mm-hmm. that we have with, with Aldo. You could so, maybe say that Londa, though, is like just so, at this point, it's almost like the pinnacle of his career. He's just so high on, I just did I'm so everything. Great. I'm so great. And he's just kind of in euphoria where and he's he not literally, even really thinking about it. He literally did it. end the war. He did. He knows yeah. he's going to be this yeah. infamous person for the rest of his life, that he was basically the one who ended the war. And maybe it just, that's his, he slipped. He got caught slipping at the end. See, I just think if you're going to be that guy, you can't you can't slip, yeah. right? I think it's a great point, dude. I, th- I think you're making a really good point. And I think that like, but the, the way ha- you end it, like the so, well, all right, I'm going to write down my alternate ending yeah. right now. And <laughs> sure, do it, <laughs> I was say, but if the, if he doesn't carve the swastika in his head, you can't have Tarantino speaking directly through Brad Pitt, yeah. talking to everybody out there. I just made my masterpiece yeah. when yeah. that's essentially Tarantino saying. I just made the best movie that I've ever made. <laughs> right, right. And it, I love it. It's such a great ending. It's such a yeah. Tarantino, fuck you, like just the way he is. It's it's so Tarantino. That That's why it is what it is because you know that he wrote that and he was just sitting there and he had like all these feet <laughs> photographs all around him. He was looking at them just so glowingly like, I fucking did it, man. I yeah. did it. 
ask. I, I, I'm going to say something to really piss Tony off. So I was I was thinking of my on my point, and I'm going to tell you that I'm an, I will take Gus Van Zant and Frank Darabont, and you can have Scorsese. Okay. And that's a crazy take in the sense that they made one good movie each and just dog shit otherwise. But Goodwill Hunting and Shawshank Redemption are are things that I will be glad at, on my deathbed that I experienced. Yeah, right? absolutely. Like, 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 like not movies I watched, like experiences I had in my life and nothing that Spielberg, Scorsese, I mean, maybe Tarantino with Pulp Fiction, but none of those did that for me, right? Yeah, I mean, it, it, again, this is a subjective thing, right? Like, yeah. everybody comes at it from a different sure. walk yeah. of life. Um, I think that the guys that influence me, they don't have a perfect filmography. Like, I love Scorsese. I, I'm a huge Paul Thomas Anderson fan. Yeah. Okay. I love that, And he, he's a good one, actually. And I just watched, I watched Licorice Pizza, and I was like, this is great. This is not as good as Boogie Nights. This is not as good yeah, as no, Punch Drunk Love. I'll tell you what, how, uh, but he's one I think of in this vein, right? Yeah, absolutely. He's amazing. That, that one yeah. movie, right? I'll take I it. I hate to say it, but I also think that, like, it's also where you are when the movie comes out sure. in absolutely. your life, right? Sure, so no question. It's 100%. like, you know, you could have watched Goodwill Hunting yesterday and been like, oh, I really liked it, but it wouldn't have the same, Maybe. you know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? Not I, maybe. Maybe that's I a bad you. example. No, you know but I, I you literally, you. you literally just took my take. Yeah, sorry. No, it's fine. No, it's great because, like, ET when I was a kid was one of the most fucking mind blowing things I ever saw. Yeah. I love that movie. You watch it now, it's like, eh, you know, whatever. Yeah, no, Star yeah. Wars blew point, my fucking mind. Yeah. Point take. Indiana Jones, like yeah. that shit was it's so important to my childhood. Yeah. So I have this nostalgic feeling, and I think yeah, he, Spielberg is fucking a god yeah and but yeah but i don't dislike your take at all because i i agree no, with those. I, I think maybe it is that just that everybody has a different one of those right. maybe and i'm right. asking who, whoever delivered and maybe you know it's, it's scorsese and he just you know he happens to have one that really did that for you i think my point is just there are certain movies for me that are transcendent right as in your life if you like movies mm-hmm. yeah, more yeah. than it is like the catalog so Tarantino, he he plays with history in this movie. I want to real quick bring up a point that I wish we could have played with history is that Brad Pitt had never done a Weinstein Films movie. He never done a Miramax film uh, until this. And the reason was is that he threatened Harvey Weinstein because he was coming on to Gwyneth Paltrow or like doing some creepy shit to Gwyneth Paltrow at one point and he like threatened him and I'm wishing that Ter- uh, that that Brad Pitt would have actually like just beat the fuck out of him and brought attention to that early on right. so that that motherfucker would never have done all the terrible shit that he did so yeah no instead he just made more movies with him right no no he <laughs> he he did not so he he stayed away from he never did he just did this one for Tarantino because he wanted to work with Tarantino but wasn't isn't Once Upon a Time in Hollywood involved no. with what it was? No, that's, that's a, well after. Is after? Yeah. I think that's a universal picture, I believe. Yeah, yeah. so that's that's just, I thought that, like, man, why didn't Brad Pitt actually go over him and just beat the fuck out of him and get national media attention right. and then all of a sudden been like, why'd Brad Pitt kick the, or why did he kick the shit out of Harvey or, Weinstein? Or, or if he could have just carved like a, like a swastika into his a forehead. A dick into his forehead. A, a dick. But like a really red kind of like, Real pudgy chode type yeah. of day. sort of <laughs> sort of angry <laughs> like infected looking Super one. Mario Brothers. <laughs> I hope someone does. If you're listening in prison, just for me, go do that to Harvey Weinstein. Yeah. He deserves. Put a chode on his forehead. Um, a couple things, and Tarantino's always been very aggressive when people like try to like say, "Oh, a mistake in your film." Oh, why? Why? Like he gets very like no intentional here, and sometimes you might think he's probably 
a little full of shit, but there's a couple things in here in this movie that, that, that stood out is one. Shoshana's in the, in the basement Mm -hmm. does not speak English. Four years later, three years later, whatever it is, she's at the theater. And when she films her like final scene, she's speaking like pretty much perfect English. It's like, we don't know she doesn't speak English. She just didn't make a noise when he fucking. Oh, so you're saying she heard? She Maybe. heard that we were about to. But she obviously moved far enough to not get <laughs> right. shot. She was scooting you over by her yeah. son. <laughs> exactly. I was like, "What are you doing?" She's like, "Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it." <laughs> yeah, because yeah, it makes sense because uh, she's the one that escaped, so yeah. she she knew where to lay. She got a fucking head start. <laughs> I also think uh, who's the woman that plays Shoshana. Um, uh, Melanie Laurent. 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 Okay, yeah, you. We'll get, we'll get French with it. I looked at Laurent. a bunch of like movies. Like I don't, I don't remember her in anything else. I think she's spectacular in this and super beautiful. Well, she's not a lot of European. Yeah, she was is in a movie. that what it is? Yeah. She's in a movie called uh, Beginners with uh, Ewan McGregor. That's really good. Okay, but I just don't remember her like in any other roles. I feel like no. this would be like a big like taking off thing for right. her, but. Yeah, this Not is really. definitely her breakout for sure. But then, did she break out? Like, I think she, she's like world famous in like Europe. Is she? Well, the, I, mean, oh, I guess that's the world famous in Europe. Doesn't make sense. <laughs> she's world famous. Moron. She's world I, famous in I, Pennsylvania. I, don't know, I, I think there's a hell of a lot of people that are world famous in America. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, the second mistake is that uh, when Hugo. Stiglitz is always like portrayed as this like I mean obviously it was in the papers he killed all these fucking Nazi officers right and then yet he's in a bar with a bunch of Nazis and they don't recognize none of them recognize that that's Hugo whose face was all over German media like how did especially 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 the one dude that sits right next to him and and like is like the evil guy like you would think that he would for sure know who's an MVP like his He's not in this movie for that much, but his he's like a total ste- scene stealer in that. And he, and he doesn't yeah, have a lot. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Does he utter any words? Oh, you're, uh, you're talking about... He has a great name. Malmstrom? No, wait. Hellstrom. Hellstrom. Yes. Oh, you're, oh yeah. okay. You're not talking about... The SS Hugo. officer. Yes, okay. the SS officer, yeah. Yeah, no, that, that guy is, he's, again, that, he's that real pure evil. He's like almost like Christoph Waltz, like Junior. Yeah. In that sense of he, he kind of is ahead of the game. And when he gets some super uncomfortable scenes in that bar, yeah, where he's fucking with them and stuff, so it's like that bar scene's incredible. So much. Um, anything else we want to talk about with Tarantino? Tarantino-related directing. I just I want to know what Eli Roth had on him that Quentin Tarantino was like. Oh yeah, you can play this Boston guy. <laughs> <laughs> you can do this terrible Boston accent. Teddy. Oh fucking Teddy Ball game! Oh, not mad at the pack. I always, I always took that as kind of a like, I, I, I kind of like that, and I always took it as kind of like a little hint of crazy, like, like, like he, he's the, he's this dude that's, you know, he's the bear. He, he's not you know, six five. He's not two hundred fifty yeah, pounds. He, yeah, it's and like, he's got this reputation of being this freaking ball busting crazy dude. Yeah, yeah, he's he's a nut and yeah. like doing the weird accent and kind of like screaming into nonsense i don't know it his his performance know. wasn't great it. for me really it, we it, don't it, like you it, it, like it, it took me out of the moment and he's he's better later like when he when he's doing the Margarita. Margarita. That, that, that yeah. was great but but some that, that or that one scene just the main scene he gets he two first... great close-ups though when he's got the bat and he's about to swing and his, his yeah. he's just yeah. looking psycho and then when he's shooting hitler's face yeah. his crazy look that, that he has great, in his yeah. eyes he's just like <laughs> Which is very, it's very Scarface. If but, you, the scene where, where Tony Montana is shooting off the balcony, it's almost a one to one 
And that's, that's the thing about Tarantino. I guess we haven't really necessarily mentioned is just how many homages to movies that I know I've never seen and just uh, all these different things. The music for this, he wanted uh, uh, Ennio Morricone, but Morricone was busy. And so he just basically, I'm going to take all my favorite songs yep. and just plug them into this movie in different scenes. So yeah, it's perfect. just, They're it's kind of wild. So by the way, real quick, back to uh, Eli Roth, you know who he wanted originally? Adam Sandler. Yes. <laughs> that would have been that. some stunt, actually, that would have been some stunt casting that I I don't know I don't know Adam, I love it well we got punch Mike, Myers, punch Mike Myers right yeah I mean, that's like yeah. crazy you got you yeah. got yeah. fucking uh, the 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 kid from the office you got BJ freaking Novak. Uh, BJ Novak. yeah BJ Novak that does that that kind of stands out as weird too yeah he he does not fit the period for me for some reason yeah. and he just seems sort of out of place yeah. it's probably because of the office but yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I remember when that movie was making the rounds on the interwebs that people were like, yeah, Quentin wants to do this movie with these uh, World War II guys, and he wants to put a bunch of Jewish comedians in all these different roles. That's where the, like, the Adam Sandler thing came, mm -hmm. and like all these different comedians that he wanted to play because he didn't want these to be, he didn't want these guys to be like these big, burly, like macho, badass yeah. people. He wanted them to look like just regular Jews because they were going to be undercover, right? Like they're going to be dropped into France and they're supposed right. to look like just regular people. Yeah. I don't, I think, I think Sandler would have, his, his dramatic work is, is great. I think yeah. he would have pulled it off great. Easily as good as Eli Roth, but that's just, I believe my, so, yes. my belief. Yeah. All right. Well, Tony's sticking around here. So let's uh, continue on to our next category. Are you looking for a place for all things horror and don't know where to go? Well, you've came to the right place, my friend. We are the Graveyard Club podcast. For all your horror needs, visit us on YouTube and Spotify. And you can follow us over on Instagram at the Graveyard Club pod. See you there. Is it a one night stand? Or do you shoot his Nazi balls off or take them home to mom and dad? It's like, fuck, marry or kill. It's Shag's neck body bag. <laughs> Say goodbye to your Nazi, Nazi balls. balls. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that scene just gets violent really, really quick. You got to give props to Brad on that one. I actually just had another version of that, and he's like, I thought you'd do shoot his Nazi balls off. So, and then I started so. thinking in my head. I was like, it kind of fits the rhyme scheme, so or yeah. the the rhythm scheme. So there you go. Thank you, Scotch. Uh -huh. You're the best around, um, <laughs> folks. It is Shag Snag Body Bag. This is where we are going ahead and talking about different things about this film. Shag means we just passionately, just aggressively love it. Snag means you know it's something that we just really want to take home to mom. And then body bag. What can we do without? So, Scotch. Shag it. Um, yeah, we talked a little bit about Tar Tarantino verse and like him. Like I, I love when there's sharing the names and stuff like that. And I don't really want to talk, take, use that as my shag. I'd rather use the discovering amazing actors that I'd never seen. And primarily, well, I mean, obviously Christoph Waltz, but Daniel Bruhl and Michael Fassbender were our two guys that really just, I go, who are these guys? Yep. I can't wait to see them again. Yeah. And I just, I, I just love that. With and with Shoshana, with, with uh, Me uh, Melanie, Melanie Laurent, Laurent. Yep. all these new actors that you discover and you just want to see more of because yeah. they're so amazing. And I just love that feeling of, oh my God, who is this person? This performance is fantastic. And it's cool that Tarantino likes to kind of bring 
people that he's worked with into future movies too. So right. you, you do get some callbacks to, to people he, he'll bring in from the last movie. Like obviously Samuel L. Jackson having just about a role or at least talking something and everything in, yeah. in pretty much every movie he's done. So it's, it's uh, except for Reservoir Dogs, but that's super cool. Nate. So, so I want to shag all history. And, and I should say Tarantino's all history. I think this is so, so I, I love all three or I love Inglorious Bastards and Django. Um, I think very different versions of all history. The part of it's uh, once upon a time that I love is the last 30 minutes, right? Like it's sort of an interesting, like he's not trying to be clever about it per se, right? right? Like it's, it's like really on the nose, just like, Oh, you, you know what we all would have liked to have happen. I'm going right. to just lay it right out. You know, like, <laughs> you know, there's not sort of like this twist to it or anything. It's like, no, the Nazis should have fucking died and just in a theater yeah. and with the worst in the worst possible conditions. Let's Horrible. just go ahead and yeah. play that out, you know? So I, I think <laughs> I like, I like that, that approach. And, um, there are some fun, it's, it's sort of hard to make, these very violent alt history things fun, and yet somehow he does. Well, I mean, even with Once Upon a Time, I mean, yeah. slamming his her head into the freaking mantle, <laughs> yeah, and just the dog. the dog biting his balls, you know, <laughs> yeah, it's it, fantastic. Anyway, I, I'll shag uh, you. Give you give me all the Tarantino alt history endings uh, you want, and I'm gonna eat them right up. Tony, you got a, a shag for us? Um, I think just how this movie uses cinema and the power of cinema, and how there are so many things in this movie that are related to cinema. Like, for example, uh, Archie Hickox is the Michael Fassbender character. He right. was a movie critic before he joined the war. Yeah. Um, Operation Kino is based around this double agent who's a German film actress. Um, the whole premiere, the whole, uh, you know, the, the using of this Nazi propaganda film, uh, Stolz de Nation, that is sort of based on like an Audie Murphy thing. Mm -hmm. um, and the fact that he, they use actual pieces of cinema to blow up the theater. <laughs> the like, film right. starts yeah. the entire it's fire. nitrate yeah. cinema. It's 35 millimeter nitrate film that will explode. And they have a huge pile of it behind the screen. And that's how they ignite this whole bloodbath. I think that that, for me, and I know that Quentin is a huge fan of movies, obviously, but the way that he used cinema in this context is nobody else has done it like that or would ever do it like that. Well, and, and only Quentin would have a know of a clip of that actual movie clip of that guy not letting the kid on the train car with the film. <laughs> right. Like, where the hell did that come from? Right. How did he know about it? And then he used that as the idea in this movie. It's yeah. like only a total film nerd would, would yeah. absolutely know that. Yeah. Yeah. Super cool. Um, I'm kind of co-signing co you there because I, I think there's a scene in the movie that really just speaks to what Tarantino can do at his best, which is there's there's color to this scene. There's amazing music. It's the death of uh, of Zoller, Zoller and, and Shoshana. Yes. And it's just everything about that movie. When she first goes up to him and it's got like the music's kind of like starting to build. And then all of a sudden you hear the drums. D, D. And all of a sudden, boom, he starts blasting her and she's flying back and like Slow the blood motion. that's coming out. Yeah. And it's just like her dress color, like everything about it is just really beautiful. And it's very cinematic. And just like it's almost Tarantino showing off like I can do super epic 
scenes like this if I want to. Mm-hmm. I'm good at it, and it's a it's a beautiful scene. It's like I just that little music. It's a it's a Morricone from another movie, and it's yep. just like it's so perfect in that scene, and and I love it, and I I love that scene with the passion. Yeah, that that blew that scene blew me away the first time I saw it. I was like you could not have surprised me more like you could not have had a better twist at that moment for me the music in that scene is from some italian movie that is completely has nothing to do with world war ii it's an annual morricone piece but it's in some throwaway movie yeah and it's one of the most beautiful pieces of music that morricone's ever done and he uses it in such an incredibly poetic way that i i was like this is insane how good this is absolutely all right, snagging, Nate, snags. So I'm going to snag what I have just decided to call anticipatory tension. Mm-hmm. So, like, I'm desperately anticipating what's going to happen next. But at, at the same time, I'm so tense, right, in the moment, right? Like, every, it's, it's like, it's like, a version of this is a weird comparison, but it happens in the office, the show, right? Where it makes you uncomfortable, but you're also really excited about, you know, seeing what's going to be. So, mm-hmm. you know, they create this situation. A lot of times in movies, I think the tension is primarily used to want to get you out of that scene, you know, out of that moment, yeah. right? Like that's the way this sort of design goes. And in this one, right, it has sort of like, I don't want to say a happy element, but like an a a sort of like childishly excited feeling like in that opening scene, right? They're just, you know, you're desperate to hear what, which way he's going to go, but also so uncomfortable with the way that he's sort of allowing things to hang in the air. And so I I think from this, you know, this movie does it, you know, maybe as as well as any movie's ever done it, you know, that sort of. I feel like the only scene in the movie that does not have tension is when uh, Mike Myers is explaining Operation Kino. Right. That I think every other scene in the movie has some built-in tension. That is like has you like a little bit uneasy. Right. And 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 that's what I I well, dig yeah. about this movie. Yeah, for I'm gonna sure. get I'm gonna get to that. Tony, I think that really it's it's what we're talking about in terms of you, you mentioned the like the Tarantino universe and how uh-huh. the characters that he uses. You know, he's referencing this name in this other movie. This other person is this other person's grandfather or great-grandfather. For me, it is the sort of the Tarantino-isms, like the things that he puts in his movies that are just signature things that he that you recognize. You know it's a Tarantino thing. Like, my favorite thing in Pulp is the fact that um, John Travolta's character dies, but then he comes back, right? And... It's because of the structure of the movie, right? Like he's mm-hmm. he's telling this story out of order. In Inglorious Bastards, he does that with Shoshana, right? Like she dies, but then she comes back on the screen, on the screen. Mm. and she's the revenge, right? So she comes back and she is is going to exact her revenge against all these Nazis, right? right. She's going to take what she wanted to do when in that first scene, and she's going to realize it. And the way that Tarantino shoots it, and I also think this is one of the best shot Tarantino movies in terms of cinematography, lighting, all that sort of stuff. I mean, there's the scene where it's just smoke, and you just see her face in the smoke, and she's laughing, right? Yeah. She's just like, ha ha, like she's, ha- she's doing this maniacal laugh. Um, and I think that for me, that is the thing that I, I definitely want to snag is like 
the things that Tarantino has done, he did it the best in this movie. Sweet. Dig it. Scotch. I'm, I'm snagging Brad, Brad Pitt just because this is one of my favorite roles of his. And that when he does the fucking accent in the theater, <laughs> I was not ready for it because <laughs> when, he, when he said he, had, he, he could speak the most Italian... And when he when he says it that first time, I, fuck, I laughed so hard because I was like, "What an amazing!" I didn't wasn't even ready for him to do it in his was it Kentucky or ten, Tennessee yeah. drawl, but with an Italian accent, it was so great. Um, I just he's got some amazing lines, and um, I his, just I just it, love that character. His facial expressions in the scene when like he's he's he keeps asking him to say it, and you can see he's getting annoyed because <laughs> right. he knows that some fuckery is happening, and he's right. just like, but he's still kind of doing it. Yeah. And the last one, he kind of just. Gorlami. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I also like. I mean, uh, jumping on that real quick. One of my favorite things that actors do is they take the words on the page, but with just pure pronunciation, uh-huh. they they become memorable. Right. Sand get, and like <laughs> I hear that in my head, you know, when occasionally it'll just like happily pop in, and it's not the words, obviously. Right. Right. Yeah, on the page, that would look like nothing. Right. But right. it's all of a sudden this like incredibly memorable line. Yeah. And I just, that's, that's for me, I'm like, oh, that's, that's what great actors do. And the one that's been sticking with me, like, since I watched my last rewatch was a fucking basement. Right. Like, yeah. <laughs> you don't got to be Stonewall Jackson, you know, find a fucking basement. Fucking yeah. basement. Um, I'm, I'm, I, I had to do it. I thought somebody would, but Christoph Waltz. I mean, oh, it's, yeah. it's got to be, uh, uh, I'm snagging him. And, and it's actually great that you mentioned Brad Pitt because the fact that they bring those two characters together at the end so they can have a conversation is, is great because it's right. the two people who've been kind of at opposite ends of the movie and they finally come together and you get this great conversation. And I love Hans Landa's, uh his acting when he's like, how do you know our names? And he gets oh. so pissed off. Yeah. And he's just like, I thought we were on the same level here. There's <laughs> obviously not the mutual respect that I thought. Right. Yeah. His, this, the, his reaction is oh, so, he was so hurt. He's, he's like, so yeah. hurt that yeah. he's like, I gave you a lot more respect than this. Right. And, and I thought I would be getting the respect. It was great. And then of course the, that's a bingo. Right. Like his face just lights up and, and then he kind of, ponders it again is that this how you say it that's how you say it right you just say bingo (laughs) bingo but uh, yeah just somebody who i watched this movie i was like where the fuck did this guy come from how did he find him this is the best actor in the world why isn't he like well known and then of course he comes back in Django and does a a great job right it's almost the same character it's almost the same (laughs) character in a a lot of ways but uh but since then he's kind of he's kind of mellowed out hasn't done a whole lot which is a I mean, surprising. he's done a lot. It's just not yeah. things that I've, I've, I've actually been, yeah. been seeing. So right. I'm sure he's still an amazing actor. But goddamn, this performance, just talk about knocking it out of the park. Just, you got one pitch, and he just smokes it. So love it. Body bags. I'll start. Okay, we mentioned this scene a little bit earlier. And I, I fucking hate. And I, I also mentioned Eli, Eli Roth kind of taking me out of the moment, but nobody took me out of the moment more than Mike Myers. God, I was, I'm going to co-sign this one. Yeah. Mike <laughs> Myers in, in this, he, he gets this stupid little smile on his face and it's like, it, it's, it's literally like he's doing a Saturday Night Live character and he's trying to be funny. And it's, but it's not, it's he's not. trying to be serious and funny. It's so weird and so out of place. And I fucking hate it. And with so the much. guy sitting at the fucking like piano or well, something. Well, that's Churchill, that's right? Churchill, that's yeah. Churchill. Yeah. <laughs> just some guy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the piano player. <laughs> he's just, oh, I thought that it was just like a piano player. 
No, that's, no, that's, that's in church. No. <laughs> um, no, let me just like, I'll just say one tiny thing to, to, and make that my body bag. He was actually the grandpa, the piano player in Kill Bill. It's actually not yeah. my, it's not just Mike Myers. <laughs> it's like all of a sudden he, like Wes Anderson was called in to direct one scene. Right. And then they're like, he's like, okay, cool. And then he's back out of the movie. Right. Like, like, I don't, it has this weird, like bizarre feel to it. And it then, is shot in a weird way. Yeah. It's definitely different. It stands out. Yeah. It's like they were going for like the fucking Tom Cruise Tropic Thunder fucking cameo for some reason, and it just doesn't. I don't love it either. Like I said, it's that one scene. It's the one scene in the movie that does have doesn't have any tension. It's just kind of like there. Yeah, and 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 even for story purposes. As much as I like Michael Fassbender, like his accent's almost a little cartoonish in a way. His his English accent's kind of because because he's an actual <clears throat> he's German. In, in real life, right? Like as far as like I believe Michael so. Fassbender. Yeah. I think Fa- he's Fassbender. actually Irish. Oh, is he really? Yeah, I think okay. he's Irish. Well, I, his, I, his accent was, his English accent was just a little bit, especially with Mike Myers. It just, that whole scene was just kind of cartoonish in a way. So, Tony? Uh, yeah, I can. What are you body bagging here? I, I, can, I can dig that. I, I think that, like, especially when you first see the movie and everything that precedes that scene, this incredible, like, you know, interaction between Hans and Monsieur Lapetit at the the dairy farm, the bastards, the the bear Jew, like all that sort of stuff. And then you're you're sort of dropped into this scene that is just for the purposes of Tarantino really likes to talk about movies. Archie Hickox, the Fastbender character, was a, a film critic. He wants to talk about David L. Selznick and, you know, Louis B. Mayer and he knows that a lot of people don't know who that is, and he's kind of just showing off at this point. Like he's name dropping through the yeah. movie in a way. And he he name drops those things, and it's sort of like, okay, I know who those people are because I have devoted a lot of my life to watching movies and cinema, but most people don't really understand that. <laughs> Tarantino <laughs> but, can do weird flexes like that. Yes, exactly, and I, I think that um, that definitely stands out. You know, the the Eli Roth thing is still gonna stick in my craw, like. The, the the accent just and I I like that character I like the bear Jew I think it's a great character and that kind of leads to some of the levity of the movie like the Hitler character is he's almost like uh, Charlie Chaplin and like the the great dictator yes that, that's I have that same thought um, and so that's great I love that um, but yeah all right my body bag is and this is just one other scene in the movie that just kind of and it's brief like two seconds. Why, when Shoshana meets Goebbels, does all of a sudden it shows him fucking mm-hmm. the girl? Yeah. The and, he's just, and he's just like, rah, rah, he's making all the crazy noises. And, and how like, does she know just by looking at her like, oh, yeah, I know what her real role is? Because that's, cause that's well, what because that's it's, yeah. it's a French girl. So it's like she's, I mean, she considers her a traitor. Like, I mean, okay. essentially like because she's working with the Germans. Okay. And or if that was really happening and she was just like, oh, obviously he's, he's fucking her, right? She's just projecting that. It was just a weird little moment to put yeah. in there, just like for that two seconds, just showing him I, like I, I guess her. I saw it a little bit as like a her demeaning him also in her mind, right? Like he looks like a real fucking bad lay. Right. He's screaming like a maniac. Fuck's he doing, you know? And doesn't the French chick look kind of bored too? I don't remember. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She got kind of a kind of it's almost a callback to Pulp Fiction with Zed and uh Marcellus Wallace. Oh yeah, kind <laughs> of filmed yeah. almost the same a little yeah. bit. A little yeah. bit very yeah. Like, uh, interesting. Okay, so 
I had a problem with a similar scene. What is what is the deal when the guy's sitting there? The other the other he's sort of trying to call him out on his accent, and then it goes to the one guy, and then it goes to this weird like whipping scene. Oh, because he's for a couple of seconds. Yeah. Does he does he know that guy? Did that guy whip him? No. Is that what that was about? It's Stiglitz, and and he basically he's sitting there going. He, that whole scene and him having to play along is torture for him. Right. Is and that so, what it is? Is that his, all he was trying to mind, convey? Yeah. It's basically, he's, it, this is the worst thing ever. And he's imagining himself getting whipped. And he pro- that's probably like him thinking about when he actually was whipped. I thought I had yeah. missed something. I was like, did I miss See, I, something I kinda, in his backstory? Yeah. I kind of thought they were trying to make it like Hellstrom was the dude that whipped him. But yeah. I, like, that wouldn't make any sense. Because if Hellstrom was the one who whipped yeah. him, he, he, and he would exactly know who I whipped Hugo Stiglitz. And I would know that that's who that but is. But I feel like they didn't. Uh, two, those two scenes, the the Goebbels fucking the, the the translator and the scene where he's like getting whipped, I feel like it wasn't like clear enough what the fuck they were showing us. You know what I mean? Like yeah. the whole movie, like is pretty straightforward. Those I, two little parts were like kind of like, what is going on? I don't. I instantly got that. I just I thought I go that this guy is miserable right now because he's having to play along. Yeah. He wants to kill this motherfucker so bad, and he has to hold it in. And so he's just kind of just picturing himself getting whipped. That that's kind of what I thought when I first. It's also interesting the Stiglitz character that every time they show him and it does like the guitar, the <laughs> it's so great. and it's like very much like whenever uh, uh, Beatrix Kiddo is around some of the the, the people, all the, the the people she's going after, and it does that Right. Like that little yeah. alarm sound, kind of doing that exact same thing that he did in uh, in Kill Bill. So I do love in that scene real quick when when Hellstrom uh, walks up and says, "I wasn't talking to you, Lieutenant Munich. Right. And I wasn't talking to you, uh, <laughs> Lieutenant Frankfurt, or whatever." Right. Basically saying, "You're from there. You're from there." And that is just so. I love that so much. I do that when I'm in the Central Valley. I'll walk out like, like "Oh, what's up, Turlock? Mm-hmm. Oh, what's up, Series? I can what's I can tell. What's up, Oakdale Bud? <laughs> <laughs> you can definitely tell Oakdale Buds oh, for, yeah, sure. for sure." <laughs> All right, we're going to come on to our next scene, which is have, streaming. We're doing multiple scenes. I mean, we're going to we're gonna show up for streaming recommendations. How about that? Crackle, Pluto, HBO, find anime on Crunchyroll, Peacock, Hulu, Disney, Netflix, Doobie, Sling TV, Shudam, Shudder, Fubo. What the fuck is Fubo? I'm sure it'll cause a sensation. It's our streaming recommendations. All right, streaming recommendations. Uh... I'll be interested to see how many people are, are recommending Tarantino or Tarantino adjacent. I, I am so, not. Nate, I, you can start us. I, I leaned alt history. Um, okay. So this is not at all the same tone, but I, it kind of made me want to think, okay, well, I, I want to go back and watch some other alt histories. What are the ones that are notable? And it turns out there's not a ton. Like mm-hmm. this is actually not something that gets pulled a lot of times. But the one that I think is the most memorable for me is um, Red Miracle? Dawn. Red Red Dawn. Red Dawn from the like the, the original okay. um, in the, in eighty four, uh, and you know Soviets invade they they parachute in and it's obviously you know a much darker mm-hmm. uh, alt history right it's not celebrating the way that we we should have gone in fact you might even argue that it's you know there's a sense in which it's like a, a horror you know like a, a uh, you know, horror kind of dream, you know, like a night, you know, some sort of nightmare that, that kids would have had then, but it's really good. has some great stars in it. So if you want to watch that right now, it's on prime. Dude, prime, that, prime. That, that fucking movie is that fucked me up when I was a kid. Yeah. It's, it's a great movie. Good movie though. So one of the things I loved about this, uh, kind of, you know, speaking of the alt history history is like seeing a kind of a buffoonish Hitler and basically obviously seem getting punished as fantastic and, 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 and murdered. Um, 
but the idea of a, a buffoon Hitler is is fantastic to me. And a movie that came out not too long ago, Jojo Rabbit, is just a fantastic <laughs> movie. I haven't seen it. You yet. haven't seen it's it yet. Really good. And oh, when you what, when I rewatched this, I I was immediately. <laughs> It's definitely copying the silly, like, caricature Hitler guy, right? Right, like, yeah. Yeah, um, just, yeah, it's a really quirky movie, very different, um, amazing cast, Scarlett Johansson's in it, um, Sam Rockwell, and um, Taika Waikiki. Taika Waikiki. Taika Waikiki. Yep. Um, so he directs it, and he's Hitler in this as a figment of this boy's imagination, and it's just, it's great. It's super entertaining. Um, it says it's available on DirecTV if you have a sub sub for that which is i don't know i think you just need like tbs or whatever yeah, like but you know, whatever you can for, rent it on it you can else. watch it with commercials yeah you can we i can, can. <laughs> right all right tony what you going with this movie is uh sort of a men on a mission world war ii uh film that's that's how kind of how tarantino describes it um and there's a lot of those um i mean the dirty dozen is probably one of the most famous ones mm-hmm. Um, one of the movies that I found out about when this movie was coming out was a movie called Kelly's Heroes, mm. which is a movie with uh, Clint Eastwood. Um, Donald Sutherland is in it as well. He's like a stoner yeah. tank operator guy. Um, Telly Savalas. Telly Savalas is in it. Great tank battle in that movie. Yeah. Um, the, the premise of the movie is the, these, uh, these guys find out about this gold in this, this, Nazi, this German Nazi castle. And so they, they go on, on this mission to, to get it. It's like 1970, I want to say. Yeah. Uh, very much in the same vein and it was definitely an influence on, on Quentin for this movie. So definitely check out Kelly's Heroes. I think you can probably rent it on Prime. It might even be like on YouTube for free. Um, but yeah, yeah, excellent movie. Donald, I think, Donald I think, Sutherland's so good in that. And I think that later influenced uh, a little bit Three Kings as well. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Kind of the same plot. Um, my recommendation, uh, if you can't get enough Christoph Waltz like me, you definitely got to watch Django. If you've not watched Django yeah. Unchained, it is a, a, a tough watch. It's it's obviously dealing with the the issue of slavery, um, but a little bit of, of uh, you know, alt history in the sense that, I mean, you're going to get your, you know, you're going to get your comeuppance on the bad guys right. in a movie like that. Uh, uh, but but Dr. Schultz is is the character played by Christoph Waltz, a little bit similar yeah, but incredibly in likable. In this very likable. Yeah. So you take the, his personality as an evil person in, in uh, Bastards, and, and now you get the, the kind, gentler, but also aggressive when he needs to be. Right. The Waltz charm is just, it's undeniable. He yeah. just, everything that he delivers in these Quentin movies so far has been incredible. Absolutely. So there you go. That is... Uh, I'm, going, uh, I'm going with a series on Hulu that uh, fucks with time, alternate history, uh, 11, 22, 63. Yeah. Um, James Franco, however you feel about James Franco, I kind of dig him in this. Uh, it actually works. It's a tough, it's a tough like sort of project to undertake, I think. But I think uh, I think it's really cool alternate history type stuff uh, dealing with the JFK I, assassination. I actually liked that one. Yeah, I liked it uh, a lot. And I hate James Franco. And yeah, exactly. That, that's that was, what I mean. Like he's that was before he was revealed as kind of a dirtbag. Oh, I'm like, not even talking about that. I think just people oh, are just, like he's just, polarizing as far as people think he's either I good think or he terrible. Is a garbage actor. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were gonna go with the man in the high castle. Like that's. Uh... Oh, man in the high castle was dog shit. 
Oh, you, okay, uh, you didn't like it. So I watched the first, I mean, they did multiple seasons of that dog shit, and it really <laughs> got me in the beginning. I was like, this is going to be such a cool show. And then it just never went anywhere and sucked. So okay. don't watch that one. Watch the Handmaid's Tale if you want. Oh, Handmaid's really Tale wild, so fucking dope. History. Really good. My girl E. Moss coming through. All right, we're moving on to our uh, final category here. No jet watch for Maverick, Mexico on that goose stick. Iceberg list Titanic, Leo's drawing that nude shit. Jim fucks Nadia like we all thought he should. Ricky and Doughboy get the fuck out the hood. Luke hooks up with Leia just like he's intending. It's time for a reshelf and alternate endings. There's something so Stockton about that fucking beat. That you, that you <laughs> <laughs> uh, Stockton. Stockton. Um, Stockton Cali. We're going to reshelf or, or offer some alternate endings for this movie. Um, I actually don't have one, but I do have a movie ending song. I thought it would have been appropriate, you know, at the end of the movie, a little Dead Kennedys, Nazi punks, fuck off. It would have been perfect. Oh. You could have dropped that in there at the end. A little aggressive, a yeah. little on the nose, but why not? I like it. Oh, and, and watch the movie Green Room that has a great rendition of Nazi punks, fuck off, and is a fucking amazing film. That's Check a great it movie. Yeah. It's a really good movie. All right. So, it, I mean, the ending's so satisfying. It's so great. But, like, so the only thing I thought of is I thought it might be kind of fun to extend it a little and don't have him actually carve the swastika into his forehead right there. Have him actually make the handoff and have, him, have it kind of fade to black or whatever. And then it says, like, four, two years later or whatever. And there's Hans Landa sitting on his porch. Ooh, like Nantucket, Nantucket Island. Island. That's good. He thinks he's got away with it. He's all happy. And he's sitting there smiling. All of a sudden, there's footsteps on the the boardwalk or whatever, walking up, and they're sucking all the reins. And he's like, "Where's your uniform?" And then maybe either do the swastika thing or just that. Oh, I thought you were even gonna say. I I thought it would be cool if like we don't see it, and then like two years later, you think he's like gotten away with it, and you see like his hands and like his feet, and he's walking around his like mansion or whatever, Uh and then like. All of a sudden, it like pans up to the end, and then you see that it's already carved into his forehead. You know? Okay, I mean? yeah, that's good too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I like that a lot. See, okay, now you've got me thinking. I'd rather just have the the cute sitcom of Hans Landa now being just the nice little neighbor up in Connecticut and uh-huh. and just getting along with his neighbors and being like the, the the nice guy that everybody's like, oh yeah, this guy moved from Europe. He, he's a really nice dude, and I want to see his uh, ten episodes of him just doing nice things around the community. <laughs> That's, that's it. Okay. London knows best. <laughs> so, so my so my alternate ending is I, I I said earlier like I have an issue with Landa getting outsmarted or right. seemingly getting outsmarted and kind of not coming out on top because he's like sort of billed as the guy that always comes out on top and he's always ahead of everybody. So I'm thinking this. So they go the the whole thing goes down. He he's figured out the plot already. He takes Aldo away. I also don't like Aldo getting the upper hand on him because Aldo seems dumb to me. You know what I mean? He seems good at what he does, but he also doesn't seem in any way the intellectual equal of fucking uh, Hans Landa, right? So, like, I I think I think he kills them, right? He kills fucking the guy from the office and fucking uh, Landa. Or the guy from the office and Brad Pitt and, and Brad, Pitt. Brad Pitt, yeah, and then and then he goes back, and I think he still doesn't know about Shoshana's plot, right? Uh-huh. So he he maybe even foils the other dude's plot and thinks everything's cool, and then the fucking shit goes down. 
but Landa somehow is smart enough to get out of the theater. It all burns down. All the four people that he thinks if the war will be over, it all burns down. But then, but then you find out that he is still one step ahead, and then he like sort of tries to take over being the head of the of the Nazi people, right? Oh, so wow. like he comes out, he comes out smelling like roses no matter what because he's Hans Landa and he's this evil villain that's way ahead of everybody no matter what. Um, so he becomes the new Hitler? Basically, yeah. yeah. I mean, he's super evil the whole movie, right? He's just killing yeah. people willy-nilly. I mean, why not be the new, the new fucking Fuhrer or, or however <laughs> you say it? Mein Fuhrer. Fuhrer. The head Fuhrer. Well, yeah. no, I think that's, you got it right, the last Fuhrer. Yeah. Yeah. Is, yeah. is there a chance he could be the uh, head vampire? Well, so I was just going to say, <laughs> so, so the movie, exactly as it is. Okay? Uh-huh. So the bastards are up in the balcony. The fire, the, the, they set the film on fire. They're fucking machine gunning, right? And all of a sudden, there's like, you know, it explodes, okay? It blows the roof off a portion of the theater, okay? So you're exposed mm-hmm. to the outside. And you see that, like, the moon up there is just a giant moon. And all of the bastards, turns out, they're werewolves. Werewolves? Yeah, they just. Oh, wow. in there. Oh, shit. What'd I dig you, that. What did you think they were going to be, vampires? Lichens. No, no, they're vam- they're werewolves. They jump down to eat Hitler's face. That would ring true too because there's uh, this. Remember that fake movie trailer? Uh, the the werewolf women of the SS in between. <laughs> That's right in the grindhouse. That was the grindhouse intermission. That's the. Uh, it's I think it's the Rob Zombie one. Yeah. And uh, Nick Cage is Fu Manchu in it or something like that. <laughs> yep. That was that was a, a we call it Inglorious Grindhouse. Inglorious Grindhouse. I like it. Shout out to my dad for the. Uh, oh, the, flip the script, huh? That's right. <laughs> wow, Look at that dude! All right, I'll take it. Tony, you got a, you got a, an alternate ending or anything? No, I just I would I would love to see uh, a David Lynch version of this a David Lynch version of this movie for sure. Oh wow! Oh, oh that's I awesome. That swap, yeah. yeah. I just I just watched Blue Velvet. Incredible, for, dude! That's fucking so wild. Maybe Aldo Rain's backstory, maybe like a prequel with Aldo. That would be cool. His days back in the uh, uh, run of moonshine in, in Tennessee. I love that. Like what, what happened to his neck? What, like, what happened to his neck? That, yeah. that is the question. And like Ed, Ed Tarantino says he'll never say what actually happened. Do we think it's a it's a uh, like a knife scar or, or a rope? It looks to me like a rope, rope burn. He's into rope BDSM. Burn. It's uh, uh, <laughs> him and the guy from NXS. Fifty Shades yeah. of Aldo. <laughs> All right, folks. Well, that is Inglorious Bastards. I was always waiting until we would get to talk about this movie, and it's uh, you know after hundred and. Whatever episodes we've done, we here we are, and I'm glad. I'm excited. Dude, super fun. So what's Love the it. so so not what's the next movie we do? But what's the next Tarantino movie that's like the obvious progression from this? Is it Django or is it? It's got to be Once Jackie Upon Brown. Yeah, I would love to talk about Jackie Brown to be honest. <laughs> Reservoir Dogs. <laughs> I, I would uh, do Django for sure, but I, I know I'm the minority there. I I just this movie was really good. I really liked it, but for all the tension and everything, like none of it holds up to the fucking scene of DiCaprio in his trailer talking about how he fucked up the fucking scene because he's a dumb drunk yeah and just fucking the like emotional like gravity of that shit just I don't know man or we can go so fucking good to me we can go batshit crazy and do uh, uh, True Romance yeah just Tony Scott fucking directing True Romance is is really good Tarantino script I would love that Dennis Hopper Christopher Walken scene is a chef's kiss right there legendary so our numbers are starting to rise a little bit and we need you as listeners uh to help us out so here's here's your challenge 
go to either Spotify or Apple Pods or wherever you listen and find that little share button. Mm-hmm. When it says, you know, when you pop the share button, it asks you what you want to do. Pick the text message. Yeah, and because all contacts. Think about, yeah. <laughs> Send it to everyone you know. No. If, you know, we're just pick, pick, pick the two people you talk about movies with who know each other. And then start a thread and be like, I love this podcast. You guys would dig it. And, and, and you know, get us a couple yeah. more listens. And, you know, just see if they, they like it. All right. Yeah. And then, you know, follow us on Spotify if you're not. Give us a positive review on Apple Pods. Or a negative review. I've, I, yeah. I, 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 I stand by the, uh, the thought that any publicity is good publicity. So if you think we suck, please tell us. And, you know, nowadays Publicly. a lot of us are, are, are part of forums. We're on Reddit or, or we're on um, Discord or other social media sites. Any, any group you're in that has a lot of folks. Just put us out there. Just yeah. say, hey, you I, know, I, mm-hmm. one you just, post. If you've got some uh, uh, credibility with them, just be like, look, hey, there's this podcast. Badass. Do it right now. Help it, us out. Shout out to my buddy Carl. I know he did that with a group that he's in, uh, like a comic book group. Yeah. He Carl Hungus? Carl Hungus? Carl Not Hungus. Carl Hungus. But, uh, yeah, uh, so, but shout out to you, buddy. And so, yeah, he shared us you know, quite a few times on that. And, and, and speaking of that, right, like we're, follow our socials. We're on Instagram. Uh, we're on Facebook. And if you comment on stuff, if you post there, you're going to get a response from us. We, we always respond. We always comment. Um, and so if you want to engage us, you know, just jump in on it. All right, folks. Next Wait. week, we are coming out with a most memorable movie villain draft. Will Hans Landa be picked? I don't know. We shall see. Will you be disappointed draft. in our picks? Probably. Probably. Almost certainly, yeah. <laughs> Tony, thanks for coming, man. Tony, we appreciate really you. A Thank lot you guys of so great much. Tarantino knowledge. Uh, and uh, yeah, as soon as you uh, get hired as his assistant director, dude, we'll uh, just invite us to the premiere one day. Yeah, I'm sending him my shoe size right now. <laughs> all right, man. Uh, BDK, we love you. We appreciate you all. Have a great evening. See you next Tuesday. Bye-bye. Start